Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Week in Review podcast. I am senior fashion reporter Danny Parisi, and I'm here as usual with Glossy's editor-in-chief, Jill Manoff. Jill, how are you? Hey, Danny, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited that you are in town right now. You're in New York City. Hey, hey, so much happening. Uh, yeah, we'll have some live podcasts and yeah, we have events, uh, a plenty, we'll say. <laughs> yeah, a lot going on. Um, but this week, we're going to be talking about uh, a couple stories. So first, we'll talk about um, fashion brands kind of showing outside of the traditional New York Fashion Week calendar. Um, we kind of knew about that back in February, but now some of them have had those shows. So uh, we can talk about the the ways that they went outside the calendar. Um, we'll also talk about Simon Property Group making a pretty humongous bid for Kohl's after they also bought JCPenney. So some consolidation in the discount kind of retail space. And then finally, we will talk about Victoria Beckham launching Shapewear and um, how it's sort of like the opposite of some of the other shapewear stuff we've talked about, Joe. But um, let's start with the fashion calendar. So um, I have a story about this on Glossy this week, but uh, this the reason I wrote about it was because, Jill, you sent me a very funny invite from Tom Brown for their show, which is on Friday, which will be today, the day this episode is coming out. Their show, which w- they said back in February that Tom Brown was not going to be showing at New York Fashion Week and that they would do it later in, in the spring. Um, but something that was funny about the invite is that the address was 445 11th Avenue, and then in parentheses, the corner of 11th Avenue and 38th Street, I think. If you know New York City, you know that that address is the Javits Center, but they really went out of their way to not say that it was the (laughs) Javits Center. Um, Understandably, not the most fashionable place in the world, I think. I mean, not chic. It's it's earned a bad name among retail folks who, you know, are typically, we typically go there for NRF. People hate kind of making the trek there. It's kind of out of the way. Um, Yeah, there's nothing really sexy. It's always like so windy, you know, it like the, the wind is so strong because it's right on the water and it's like really far out there. At least you, the, the Hudson Yards like train station is kind of fun, but it is it's it's far from, I would say, the I, the typical New York Fashion Week venue like Spring Studios or like something like that. Um, not that it's a bad thing, but it, it's definitely like, I think, a, a non-traditional pick. Um, but after that, Jill and I, we were talking about a lot of the ways that some of the recent fashion shows have been sort of outside the box. So there's people showing in places like the Javits Center or outside of New York entirely or way outside of the calendar or their cadence is all messed up. Like, I don't know if you knew this, Joe, but Balenciaga has another show coming up next month in May. They just had a show in March, right? Wasn't it had to be because it was right after the Ukraine uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine and Demna like had that whole thing about it. So they had a show right after it and they have another show like barely two months later. Um, so there, there's a lot of changes just in terms of how people are thinking, a lot of breaking out of that, you know, once in February, once in September kind of schedule. Yeah, there was a lot of talk about these emerging fashion weeks um, that were maybe for preseason. Um, who's showing on the June-December calendar was a talk for a while there. Obviously, Tom Brown, it's it's April. Um, they bumped the show due to COVID uh, complications within, I think, within the, the team. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. It, it's You can question, you know, if only a big brand can go there. Like, we'll only a Tom Brown or a um, Bottega get eyes on their show if it's outside of the time period when everybody's eyes are on fashion. So um, something to be said, I, 
when we were talking about your story, I was like, dig into the data in terms of um, what what these shows see in terms of, I guess, media impact value and those things that we typically look at um, in terms of social shares and things like that, um, how it compares to regular show during the season. Uh, on Tom Brown, interesting. We're, we're assuming it's at Javits Center. This is the address. I mean, there are some outdoor shows and things that happen. The fact that, I mean, it could be outside of the Javits Center, but you're right. They didn't mention the the building in any way. Um, but it's it, I had such a, an amazing time in September 2022 at the show um, where the com- the brand puts on this. It's it's basically a production, um, a play. Like it, 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 they build out the set. There are like actors slash models. Like it's it's an experience, I would say. So I, I leave New York, New York, New York on Friday uh, during the day, and I was like, I got this invite for Friday evening. I, I'm seriously thinking, like, should I extend my trip to be able to attend Javits Center or not? So yeah, who? I don't know if that will have an impact on, on attendance. Yeah, and and but that's a good point because like Tom Brown is a is a big brand and people love Tom Brown and same for like you mentioned Bottega they had their show in Detroit in October which so that's like a month after normal fashion week and like in a totally different part of the country but also their Bottega Veneta so they can they can get away with that um, another interesting one uh, that kind of has a, a separate possible reason for it is Alexander Wang showing in L A and I've seen some people say like it's you know he's kind of straying far from the usual New York, probably for like self-preservation reasons. Um, because I don't think we've like heard anything from him since March, 2021, where he was accused of sexual misconduct. So like, and, and they're not doing any press. He's not like meeting any press or like doing any interviews or anything like that. So that might be more out of like just safety to, to hold it outside of, uh, outside of New York. And then the other one I want to mention was Kate Spade. So they're, they've been like more vocal about this. And I, I talked to their CEO and both in September and this past February, and both times they made it pretty clear that they were like really rethinking their presence at, at the normal fashion weeks. And so they, they had a, a show, I guess you would call it in March that was really like a three day like event. And there was like classes, uh, they had classes on flower arranging. It was like this very elaborate thing beyond just like a runway show. I think the first day was a little bit more of like a showcasey kind of thing where you could see the clothes and stuff. But then day two and day three were more like this big kind of multi-day event. And they had said, they had told me, um, you know, a couple of months ago that that was something they were looking into. So, um, they're, they've gone very down the like experiential route, like far away from the kind of like runway setup or even like a traditional showcase. Yeah, there's something to it. Um, just in the same way I went, I'm considering going to Tom Brown. Like if, I, if it was just models walking a runway, very cookie cutter and uniform, I know that I can watch that online. Um, it's just like shopping online or going into store. If I'm if I'm going to go to a show, I want an experience. I want, I want to do something more than what I can do online now. So um, I, th- I think we'll see more of it. it. TBD on what that means for the, I guess, fashion show venues of Spring Studios and such. Like, are people tired of that? Do do the producers need to put more effort and, um, I guess, resources into making these shows more something, something to mem- remember? Yeah. And, and on the Kate Spade um, point, like, the one they had in February was this, like, outdoor was this September? One of the last two, this outdoor like apple orchard kind of thing where you could like 
they they built this big archway when there was like apples in it and you could like pick your own apples and stuff. It's like this very, like that's the kind of thing that if you were visiting like jail, if you were visiting New York and considering to go back a day later that you might actually stay around for. So uh, I'm sure that that's something they're kind of considering is like, you know, the other thing is it's a lot harder to like get people in the door for things now because like not just COVID, but also people are used to like, you know, watching things online or like skipping stuff if it doesn't seem that like, uh, you know, there needs to be a reason for people to go. So if you can have some sort of some sort of value add beyond just like, yeah, we're going to have models walking down the, the catwalk with our clothes. It's like, yeah, you can just watch that on Instagram later or something. Absolutely. Totally agree. So we'll, we shall see. I'll let you know if I, yeah. if I go. <laughs> yeah, please do. It's calling um, my name. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. Second story. We're going to talk about Simon Property Group. So they made a big bid for Kohl's. This is according to the New York Post. So this is not like officially um, confirmed yet, but I mean, I, it seems likely uh, because they they had just bought um, J.C. Penney, I think, for like 1.8 billion in 2020, and now Simon Property Group is also putting in a bid for Kohl's at 8 billion dollars, which is pretty huge. Um, definitely like heavy consolidation in the the discount retail space. I feel like J.C. Penney and Kohl's were like very strong rivals for such a long time, and now they're most likely both going to be under the same kind of banner. Um, interesting. What, what do you think of that, Jill? And I'll, I'll tell you my thoughts too. I mean, I know Kohl's has been, I guess, up for grabs for quite a bit. For That in itself is almost, it's surprising to me. Just, I mean, I have family members who like love their Kohl's and it seems like they're making a lot of moves that seem positive for the company and seem like the right thing to do this day and age. For instance, I mean, opening Sephora um, within their stores to to bring in new new shoppers. And uh, it was also reported in the New York Post that if this deal goes through, that Sephora deal will likely no longer happen, which is something. Um, but yeah, they have all of these, I guess, diffusion lines or um, uh, I, the Lauren Conrad lines and things like that. But they recently brought in Draper James. They have this Amazon partnership that they reported in early Mar- uh, early 2021 that's drawn in 2 million new shoppers. Um, there was a report also that that this Kohl's-Amazon partnership is, is proving costly for Kohl's. So I'm not exactly sure what the specifics, um, why, why that is and what's going on there. But um, their efforts to bring in new shoppers and, and to keep innovating seem seem good. So that the fact that they, these activist investors are really pushing for this sale, there are a lot of um, quotes about what they're saying and why, like operational mediocrity was one thing that was um, mentioned or one reason um, over assorted merchandise, disappointing brand launches. Um, so uh, anyway, I, I can see the appeal for the buyers to me. It seems yeah. like it's, it's, it has some strengths. Well, and, and to your point about the the Amazon like partnership being very costly, I mean, I, one of the other sort of details from the the report was that Simon wants to cut Cole's cost by like a billion dollars. So it it's going to be like a, a real like hardcore shakeup, I think, when if and when they take over. Um, I'm sure there's going to be layoffs and and like axing to various partnerships and stuff. Like maybe that's for a deal, like you said, goes through or falls under, falls through. That's what I meant to say. Um, the other thing is, uh, 
so Simon Property has has made a couple acquisitions recently, and it's made a, a few through Spark, which is a, this like joint venture that it's done with Authentic Brands Group. Authentic Brands Group has also like gobbled up like every like failing retailer or retail brand from the last like two or three years. Um, but this, as far as I can tell, and you know maybe when the the full details come out, this will not be the case. But as far as I can tell, it this seems like it's just a Simon Property group thing. I don't think ABG is involved with this at all, um, which I don't necessarily think we should read too much into because the the Spark venture seems like it's going super well for them. They've like made a ton of acquisitions and a lot of those acquisitions like Forever 21 and stuff have like turned around quite nicely for them. Aeropostel is another one. So I don't necessarily think it's like, you know, that they're pulling away from that relationship. It's just that, as far as I can tell, this seems like it's a Simon Property, uh, like, solo effort, kind of. No, no, no. Simon Property and Brookfield Asset Management. So they're the, the those two Those two came together for JCPenney. And I was looking, I was trying to see what else they had come together and, and invested in because I was like, why is everybody saying that JCPenney owners and, like, really, like, zeroing in on JCPenney? But that's where they had mm-hmm. invested prior. Okay, you're right. So not a solo effort, I should say, but not with <laughs> uh, with ABG. Exactly. Um, but that the the Simon property. I, I mean, it might also be that like as big as ABG is. I mean, it's like eight billion dollars for calls. That's a lot. Um, I don't think any of ABG's recent acquisitions have been up past that or, or like even close to that. I don't think. Um, so it might just be that that's like too big of a a, a bite for them to to join in on, but. Um, it is interesting. It is interesting. And yeah, we'll see what, what happens here. I know there's interest from other players in, in scooping up Kohl's, including um, at, at one point it was reported Hudson's Bay, um, owner of Saks Fifth Avenue and others. Um, so, I mean, I, I think it's smart. <laughs> I like Kohl's. I, I don't shop there myself, but I feel like they're doing great things. Anyway, go ahead. I, I bought from Kohl's when I was a kid, like a, a Preteen and teen, early teen, I would say, because um, very affordable. But I wonder if like people that age now who are looking like affordable clothes just like buy from Shein or something. Like if that's if that's like hurting them at all. I don't. I don't really know. I haven't kept up with much with like Kohl's and JC Penney and TJ Maxx and all that. But like, I would think if I was like a young like a young money conscious person looking for clothes, I would probably go with like one of those fast fashion places over like calls because at least like the clothes feel more trendy even though they're like horrible like quality and stuff so I, I don't know yeah they do they do some interesting things with their loyalty program or whatever it's called I know that um sister and mama they they love their Kohl's cash that's a big thing that keeps customers coming back true Kohl's yeah cash. so maybe there's um something there in terms of like gaming it all uh, that we're hearing um retailers do to to maintain that loyalty yeah, definitely. Okay, last thing, let's talk about Victoria Beckham. So this week she is uh, announced the launch of um, VB Body, which is like her new shapewear kind of line. And the reason I wanted to talk about this is because Joe, we had just talked about like body positive shapewear and like shapewear brands feeling like they need to be like, you know, oh, like we love all bodies of all kinds, but also like shapewear to like change your body and stuff and like sort of the weird kind of contradiction in there and like reading through the Victoria Beckham stuff like I it's funny because I feel like it just ignores all that entirely it feels like very much like just a totally standard like fashion beauty standards like for skinny people kind of thing 
So I don't know. Did you get that sense? Like, am I missing something? It felt like it just skirted, like skated right past all the like body positive stuff that some of the other shaper brands like maybe feel like they need to gesture to. <laughs> well, there was a line about um, it, like it's made to gently sculpt and flatter the figure. It it was not like mm. there was no mention of like sucking you in, which we know that that's what it's really about. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> You're well, right. so some of those like older brands, like like I've looked at some old like Spanx marketing from like 15 years ago or something, and they were like so judgmental about, and like there would be a product that's called like Skinny Bitch something or I don't even know. Like I feel like they were way more explicit about like what it's for, and now like I feel like they kind of soften it and like try to make it sound nicer. Yeah, it's about smoothing. But uh, Victoria Beckham also said it's kind of like going back to her roots. Her line has evolved. There have been good changes. Um, But it used to be more about like body conscious, body con clothes. Um, Some of these um, really like skin skimming dresses. And um, this this includes some of the same look. It's almost like a slip looking dress, kind of a basic dress um, that I guess is designed to be worn under clothes. It seems to me you could wear it as ready to wear, which, which a lot of these shapewear brands are. It's like we're saying shapewear, but it could be activewear. It could be loungewear. It could be uh, ready to wear. It's all, all the lines are blurring here. Um, and I think, yeah, there's no, no difference here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like skims, I feel like is, um, I almost always see skims worn just like on its own. You know, like, I mean, I guess if I wouldn't see it if it's worn under stuff, but you know what I mean? I see a lot of people like proudly just wearing a Skims sports bra or even wearing Skims dress or whatever. And it's just like having it be an outfit. And I feel like that's part of the marketing too. Like they show it just, you know, it's, it's not quite as like hidden or like functional or, or purely functional the way some, some other brands were. So yeah, I got the same sense from, from VB body as well. Yeah. It's interesting as it's such a hot, hot category shapewear. Um, it seems to me, this is a play for a Victoria Beckham, um, to, really like they're making big changes it was announced last summer um strategy they want to reposition the brand for growth and profitability so they they've just released a handbag for fall um they recently combined their victoria beckham and victoria victoria beckham more affordable um brand into one and it's to all together a more affordable brand. Um, so they were losing money for a long time. Um, and they recently, yeah, they're, they're going fast, going hard in terms of, um, ensuring they do better, I'll, I'll say. So going into shapewear, it's, it's almost, it's, I think it's a sure thing this day, this day and age, this, this year, um, it's having a moment for sure. Um, so we'll see if that moment lasts. Yeah, definitely a lot of interest there. Also, Jill, on like just the trend side, like, um, do you think that like, I know the last couple of years people have talked a lot about like skinny jeans being out and like looser kind of like baggy menswear kind of inspired stuff is like all like very popular, like the Victoria Beckham stuff to me kind of gestured to sort of a, a older kind of like almost like night lux, like that trend we've talked about, like very like tight and sexy and like, you know, like this whole thing. Do you think that's like sort of coming back or, or in at all or is, or, or what? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, definitely to me, Victoria Beckham. Um, (laughs) I mean, maybe it's just what resonates with me, but, um, what she does really well, the brand as well is almost these masculine also, um, pieces and silhouettes where it's like a great button down with some great trousers, um, some suiting. Um, so not, not all that sexy stuff, but in terms of trend, yeah, that's, that's picking up 
speed, um, sexy going out clothes. I just attended, viewed online. It was a Zoom. Um, Net-a-Porter's trend forecasting. No, no, no. Tre- seasonal p- trends presentation for fall. And the trends that they were calling out, it was like black is back. And it was all about black. And there was also one about Oh, I can't think of how they worded it, but it was basically um, I, in my head, I was like exhibitionists, but it was about <laughs> the opportunity to show skin and wear kind of underwear yeah. as outerwear, just like you're saying. Um, we don't talk a lot, a lot about the corset trend in terms of wearing shapewear as outerwear, but there's that's definitely um, something that's picked up speed since, you know, what is it called? Bridgerton? I don't watch it. Um, Bridger- yeah, no. <laughs> but um, yeah, it was fueled by that, but also it plays into this as well. I got to say two things. One, I watched one episode of Bridgerton and immediately guessed the big plot twist. And then I looked it up to see if I was right. And I was, and then I didn't watch anymore. The <laughs> other thing. So predictable. The other thing is that the the corset is like orig- the original shapewear. Um, so it is kind of funny that those two things are sort of happening at the same time, like shapewear is having this big moment and then and corsets as well. Um, I, I feel like I think of Victoria Beckham as like, a like black like bandeau and then just like a humongous blazer like open over it and if you know what I mean sort of like combining those two the and J- I, Jill I feel like you like a big blazer too I um, do like a big blazer <laughs> so like I, I don't even necessarily think those two trends are like counter to each other because you can wear like skin tight like shapewear as outerwear show skin and then also have like this big baggy menswear stuff with it you know like or it, i'm sure you've seen that there's this joke i've seen online about like you know girls love to say like do i wear the big pants and the little shirt or the little pants and the big <laughs> shirt you know like that i think you very much easily can combine those two and i think that's pretty common now yes it was such a when i was i guess more of a fashion editor consumer facing that was always a tip where it was like um don't wear two oversized together like no 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 no. that is a fashion don't if there ever was one yeah Um, yeah so balance those out for sure and i think there's also i mean side note a story here i just mentioned that uh victoria beckham in a chance in an opportunity to to transform uh I guess right right ship her brand is is launching handbags but um I just talked to Neely Lotan. I know we always talk about like who's next on the podcast. She's next on the podcast. I'm jumping the gun. But um she is on en route to um coming out with the perfect handbag that's in development for years. So um brands are also going into this accessories, handbags. Um they're they're taking advantage of that right now. I'm not sure what's happening. I guess m- there's something maybe to be said about the world is opening up and you're going to be carrying a handbag again and people are shopping for that. Um, But yeah, yeah, another trend that's picking up steam. Yes, for sure. Well, um, I think that's all the time we have, but Jill, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, For those of you listening, please rate and review the Glossy Podcast on wherever you listen to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, whatever it is, um, because that really does help us out a lot. And if you subscribe to the podcast, you can hear me and Jill talking every Friday, week in review, recapping big news stories of the week. And then every Wednesday, Jill will be talking with an industry insider. Jill, you just said it a second ago, but say it one more time. Who's on the podcast this upcoming week? Neely Lotan. And it's so, so good. Definitely the exception to the rule in terms of being self-funded, seeing um, consistent growth over God, 20 years, um, but just, yeah, doing her thing and, and seeing amazing results. So have a listen. Thank you for listening.